All houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors, the harmless phantoms on their errands glide with feet that make no sound upon the floors. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Greetings, creeps, and welcome to my podcast, This House is Haunted. Over the next several weeks, I'll be sharing my personal experiences of having spent two years in a haunted house in eastern Kentucky. Due to the spooky nature of this podcast, viewer discretion is advised as I take you into a world filled with things that go bump in the night. The moment she had seen the house, she had fallen hopelessly in love. The lady had been traveling for many years with her husband, who was a captain in the Union Army. They'd most recently been stationed in Georgia, and the sweltering heat and humidity of that city had made it difficult for her to admire the lush, sweeping vistas that had accompanied the territory. She had missed the snowy winters, her cool spring breezes, and the safety she had always felt in the Appalachian Mountains, where she had spent her childhood. Her daddy had been mining coal further down the Big Sandy River for decades now, and his health was ailing, so when the war had ended and her husband's work was done, she had asked to move closer to her family so that she might spend whatever time her daddy had left in this world with him. Her husband wanting his sweet wife to be happy after all the years of worry and fear, had acquiesced immediately and had used their life savings to purchase this beautiful farm located in Paintsville, Kentucky, after writing for several weeks with a cousin in the area who had told them it was for sale. On the day they arrived, it was very warm, but not the sticky warmth that creeps into your bones that coastal Georgia was known for. It was the final days of summer, and soon the leaves would transform into the golden, fiery hues that made fall her favorite season. Seeing the house surrounded by its vast orchards of apple and pear trees, the lady felt a contentment that had eluded her since wandering these hills in her youth. There was deep magic in this land of dark forests, fertile valleys, and glittering streams, and she was hoping that very magic would help ease the nightmares that plagued her husband's dreams at night. The lady had been taught the old ways by her granny, who could whisper words to a burn that could pull the fire out, create tinctures that would stave off a whooping cough or mend a broken heart. But try as she might, nothing in her arsenal of healing had soothed her husband's war-ravaged heart. But this house she thought smiling as they started their ascent up the steep path. This house was built on a humming source of great power. Built into the mountainside itself, she could feel that it was a living thing, this house on the hill, and knew that if they could cast their roots down here and tap into the wealth of life that her man would be restored and she would no longer feel so alone. No, She would never be alone again in a house like this that was so imbued with life. She and her husband had not been blessed with children, so his recovery was tantamount to her happiness. Yes, this house, with its beating heart, could be a place where they built the life they'd always dreamed of. 
So with a smile, she stepped down from the wagon seat and stepped gingerly into the soft earth. As soon as her foot touched her new home, she immediately passed out. When she woke up, she was lying in a room with white walls that smelled freshly painted, and the sun was shining directly into her eyes. She squinted to see that a large bay window was immediately to her left. Turning to her right, she was facing the room and could see a glittering glass chandelier that immediately drew her eye. Her husband was kneeling next to her on the ground, her tiny hand in his own rough, dark one. He looked terribly concerned and she squeezed his hand reassuringly. She made excuses about the trip here, having taken a toll, and after a few seconds of promising she would continue to lay down for the next hour, he had taken his leave to bring in the rest of the items still placed in the back of their wagon. His cousin had purchased the furniture in the house locally for them ahead of time so that they would be comfortable once reaching their new home. So she was lying on a chase lounge that was comfortable, albeit a little stiff from newness. She closed her eyes and took several steadying breaths, trying to work out what she had felt once her foot had touched the ground here. Power. That was it, all right. More power than she had ever felt in her 30 years. Even lying here now, she could feel a thrum of it dancing across her skin. She had known the hills held secrets, but she could have never guessed that this house would be positioned directly atop some sort of power mecca. It was a heady thing to be surrounded by such charged energies, but the woman, now feeling more oriented in her new home, gathered her thoughts and cast a protective net around herself and her husband. This was their home, and while she was no granny, she had been taught to manipulate the energies, particularly in nature, around her so as to protect her own, and she did so now with great effort and concentration. Her eyes still closed, she caught flashes of the other lives lived on this land. Rich pantries stocked waist high with apples, coffers full of corn and wheat. Yes, this was the rich land that she had felt it was. On the periphery of her sight, she saw the winged fae dancing in the moonlight in mushroom circles somewhere along the ridge line. She saw a stag of pure white, standing with a rack of antlers so large she wondered how he kept his balance. Images continued to roll through her mind of the millions of lives that called this place home, and she felt a connection to all of them. The loneliness of her past life in Georgia ebbing away with each vision. Without warning, everything shifted, and suddenly she was standing in front of the largest cave she had ever seen with a great yawning mouth that could have swallowed two wagons stacked one on top of the other. Her nose wrinkled as she caught the dank, wet smell of mold rolling up from its decrepit maw. The cave was dark, as if light had never shone in its depths and a chill ran up her spine as she felt the power thrum from deep within it. Her gift reached out to see with more than her eyes, and she felt something push back, something wet and dark, 
something older than even the mountains it currently called home. It felt as if something had reached back to her and had taken her arm, something cold and spindly like a thousand spider webs, and she spun in panic as if to shake it off and then she was awake again and her husband was walking through the front door. An involuntary shiver racked her body, and she sat up quickly, still confused by what had happened during her exploration. The cave loomed in her memory, causing a shudder. What was that thing? Her husband's cheerful humming broke her reverie, and she noticed he was bringing in what appeared to be the last armful of items from the wagon. The sun was dancing across the crystal chandelier, creating prismatic rainbows around the room. The vision of the cave began to dissipate in the light of day, and she decided this day would not be sullied by one vision. Not when she was in the sort of home she had dreamed about, the kind of home that could offer healing to her husband. She stood resolute that she could face anything after surviving the war. Yes, she would be happy here. She would build a life here. She would be free here. This house was theirs, and she would do whatever was necessary to keep it that way. Time rolled onward in the way it always does when settling into a new life. The lady and her husband worked diligently to get settled into their home. He worked on getting livestock and making sure the house was ready for the cold Kentucky winters as she continued to create a home full of warmth with her practice, as well as canning large quantities of apples that were now so plentiful that she didn't have room on her counters anymore. Staying busy seemed to help with her husband's night terrors, and for the last week he had slept through the night for the first time since returning home from the war. The more time she spent in the house, the deeper her kinship with it became until she was having conversations with it throughout the days when her husband was away gathering supplies. It eventually came to pass that she spoke to the house even when her husband was home. She spoke so regularly, in fact, that her husband, even though he cocked an odd eyebrow from here and there, he was pleased to see how happy she was within its walls. The last days of summer fell away, and soon it was October, with its rainy, windy days. The lady's husband had been looking for work in town for weeks now to no avail. It was hard to get in with the local mill as an outsider, and that was one of the few job prospects outside of the mines. He had seen enough of the dark during the war, but was beginning to wonder if they would be his only choice. The lady, having remembered the darkness she had encountered during her time connected to the mountain, would assure him something would come along eventually and that they wouldn't need to go into the mines. However, they were running low on funds after moving and getting things stocked up, so the day came when her husband donned a metal helmet kissed her cheek and made his way up the holler to the mine closest to their home. That day, she nearly wore a hole in the rug that filled the living room from pacing to and fro until she saw the wagon turn the bend and come up the path to the house. 
He was tired and covered in dark dust, but said it wasn't nearly as bad as he thought. The lady sighed with relief and went about setting up dinner for the two of them. He was distant while they ate and said little, choosing instead to stare off out of the large window behind the dining room table. The lady didn't take it personally, as he had a long day of work and the trees were mesmerizing dancing in the wind that perpetually found them on this mountain. Things would be fine. They would be fine. This was the mantra she repeated to herself as she cleaned up after dinner, bathed, and got ready for bed. Things will be fine. But that night, his nightmares returned. The lady filled her days gathering local medicinal plants to stock her home apothecary, sewing a new winter coat for she and her husband, and talking to her house. On days when her husband offered to take her into town, she felt panicked at the thought of leaving her home unattended and gave one excuse or another for why she should stay behind. She couldn't explain it, but she felt like something terrible would happen if she wasn't on their land. She felt the power of the mountain only when she was in or near the house and the property surrounding it, and she dared not leave for fear of the protective wards she had woven would collapse and the darkness she had encountered in the cave would seep its way into the house. She had not experienced something like the cave since that first day, and hoped that all the precautions she had taken would keep things that way. Her husband, exasperated that his wife, who had always effortlessly woven herself into any community they had lived in, was choosing to isolate herself demanded one day that she join him on an outing to the small local shop to check the mail and pick up some supplies. When she made an excuse, he feigned a headache and said he would need her to steer the wagon as he didn't trust his own eyes or hands to get there safely. When her attempts to have him postpone the trip failed, she sighed, changed into her riding clothes, and boarded the wagon. A sense of foreboding crept through her as they left the property, and she longed to turn around and race back into the safety of her home. Her husband took her hand lovingly and squeezed, sensing her trepidation and seeing the smile on his face at being out with his wife. She pushed back that fear and they continued on to the store. The longer they rode, the more at ease she felt. What had she been so worried about? It was a beautiful town and the trees were in their final splendor before they would surrender their leaves to the ground and winter would whisk its way into the holler. Once they arrived at the general's store, they met a couple of their neighbors from down in the valley, a cheerful couple who were maybe a few years older than the lady and her husband. When the couple shared that they ran a hog farm, the lady suggested a trade of some of their apples for some fresh bacon. The couple's eyes widened at the mention of the apples and assured the lady they would be happy to make a gift of some bacon and other cuts as they were new to town and setting up their stores just before winter, but a trade would not be necessary. When the lady insisted, the wife had stated they wouldn't dare take those apples. This caused the lady to frown, 
but before she could say anything, the husband of the couple stated they couldn't take apples this close to winter, knowing the lady and her husband were new in town and needing all the supplies they could get. The wife frowned and excused herself to check on a parcel they were expecting. After picking up their own mail, her husband hummed all the way back to the house. The lady, however, was lost in her own thoughts with visions of their new neighbor's scowl at the mention of sharing fruit from their land, and that vexed her deeply. The next day, the lady woke with the kind of headaches that had plagued her when too much time had passed between letters from her husband during the war. Perhaps the weather was shifting again, she thought, with winter being ushered in with the heavy winds raking the tree limbs across the shingles of the house. While lying in bed, she remembered a recipe her granny had taught her to help with the pain and decided she would do the last of her foraging before she had no more opportunities. She had seen a promising patch of chicory growing just shy of the orchard and wanted to make sure she gathered it for her apothecary, but also knew it was the main ingredient in the tonic for her headaches. She dressed slowly, making sure to wear her gardening gloves as briars were plentiful in the orchard after years of neglect. She had hoped being out in the fresh air would alleviate her pain, but found that it was just growing worse as time passed. Best to get this root and get back in. Just as she would pull on the last of the roots, she heard what sounded like an explosion of some kind to the east of the mountain. Her heart slammed in her chest and she ducked instinctively. Was that a cannon? No. The war was over. It was too loud to be a gun. No. No. Her head began to swim as realization struck her. No, not the mine. As she turned slowly towards the mountain that she knew housed the coal mine her husband worked in. Dark plumes of dust rolled out into the air above it and her heart sank. Gone. He was gone. She knew it without being told. She collapsed to her knees and dug her hands into the earth that she had just plucked a root from. She saw the cave, dark and filled with large boulders. Men were screaming and chaos racked the site. The mine had collapsed. They dug too deep and too greedily, and the price paid was with human lives. She could see something dark in the depths of the cave, writhing, pulling its way through every tiny crack and crevice. She felt lightheaded and fell to her side damp earth holding her as she cried. Time passed even more slowly without him. After the funeral, she vowed to never leave her mountain again. She had arranged for supplies to be delivered and she lived solely on her husband's military pension, besides what she could barter with her apples and her sewing. The warmth of the house was filled with a coldness now, and while she slept now more than ever, she felt drained and listless. Her dreams were filled with dark caves and whispering voices. Her family wrote and asked that she come and stay with them and leave this house and its memories behind her, but she could not. If she left, what other horrors would follow? No, 
She had to stay here, the silent sentinel on the mountain. She could not let go, would not let go, until she faced that thing that hides in the shadows. So she held on to her pain like a clenched fist and let it make a prison of the home that had once been a light in her life. Well, creeps, that's the end of part one of The Lady in White. I hope you don't mind that I'll be adding part two of the story on Halloween Day to give a little treat or trick from me to you. I hope you've all enjoyed this little tale I've spun regarding the lady. I've enjoyed giving life back to someone whose name I'll never know, but to who I will always have deep gratitude. If you haven't already, it would mean a lot to me if you would take the time to rate or review this podcast on whatever streaming platform I'm haunting you from. Ratings and reviews help to bring new creeps to the podcast, and that in turn keeps things going. You can also find This House is Haunted podcast on Facebook and Instagram, where I share all the memes, photos, and interact with you all. I'm a one-woman show. So I appreciate the feedback I pull in from out there in the ether. Now get out there and keep it creepy this Halloween weekend, friends. And remember, don't go chasing any voices you hear in the night. Unless they got candy.